We've gotten pretty good at monitoring local networks using a variety of technology, and we've been getting better and better at monitoring public cloud SaaS providers, the latest network overlays, and, and so on. But how do we monitor the health and activity of the whole system, the entire internet? How do we monitor performance on a global scale? And how can we identify dependencies among providers, something that's very important? And ultimately, when it comes down to it, how can that information actually help us? Today with us, we have Dr. Roman Fontunia, a subject matter expert in internet measurement and the creator of the Internet Health Report. We'll be discussing why and how we monitor routing, and we'll be discussing the technology, the impetus to do so. We'll be talking about something called AS Hegemony, and we'll be unpacking the Internet Health Report as well. Doug Midori, Kentuck's resident director of Internet Analysis, who also specializes in the field of Internet measurement, is also with us. So we really have a great episode lined up for you today. And my name is Philip Gervasi, and this is Telemetry Now. Roman, uh, it's really great to have you today. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, I'm really interested in this. I listened to a podcast that you did recently. Uh, I think it was with Apnic, correct? Um, very, very interesting. And I read some of your literature online, so I, I can't wait to dig in. And, and Doug, of course, it's great to speak with you again. And I, you're both in uh, in Tokyo, Japan right now, correct? Yes, we are, yeah. Yeah, this is our location. On location. I'm on location still in upstate New York, um, so a little bit of a different scenery out my window. Uh, that's not exactly true. I don't have a window in my office, um, but uh, outside it is evening and it is morning for you. So uh, I appreciate very much that uh, you're joining me uh, um, from many, many time zones away. So uh, before we get started and get into uh, today's episode, Roman, would you give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself, a little background, uh, maybe from a professional standpoint, but also your history and how you ended up in, in Japan? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I first came in Japan for a six-month internship, and this was 15 years ago. <laughs> um, I'm not an intern anymore. <laughs> I, since I, I did my, my PhD in Japan, uh, was analyzing uh, internet traffic. That was an interesting project. A postdoc at university, and now I'm uh, at IAJ in the research lab. And uh, yeah, that was a, a long trip but mm -hmm. uh, very interesting started with um, analysis of uh, internet traffic there's an interesting project here in japan where they they record traffic on uh, one of the academic network i was looking at this during my phd finding worms viruses uh, in that traffic that was very interesting and now moved a bit more on looking at the topology of the internet Okay, the topology of the global internet, to be more precise, of external networking um, and, and what's going on on, uh, I, I assume then that means we're going to be talking a lot about BGP and autonomous systems and that sort of thing. Oh, yes, we love BGP. Oh, yeah, my favorite <laughs> stuff. Um, and Doug, uh, no, no stranger to our audience, but of course, uh, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little introduction to yourself and, and how you came to know Roman, maybe. Right now, I am uh, on location in Tokyo at the IAJ uh, lab, uh, the research group. I'm here for a couple of weeks. I'm something between a visiting scholar and an intern. Uh, and uh, although I've just been cleaning whiteboards and, and fetching coffee for a month so far. So okay. uh, it's going to get good, I think, any minute now. Um, let's see. So I got, I think I met Roman's um, colleague Mark at a conference maybe five years ago and he was like you got to come to tokyo if you're ever in tokyo you're gonna come to ij and, and i was like oh that sounds great i'd um i'd love to go i i had a japanese exchange student when i was a kid and so i always had an interest in japan but despite all my traveling around the world both in the internet measurement business and in the u.s military uh, i never made it to japan so this is my very first time uh here so it's kind of been a, um, a little bit of a dream to come here and um and then I think uh, uh, Roman and I were at an event in Paris uh, at the end of the year last year, and we were at the speaker's dinner coming out of that. And I was made an offhand comment, and I was like, you know, I, ha I harbor this fantasy of coming to IAJ one day. And he said, you should come. And I was like, I was like, anyway, we we made it work. Of course, I'm here in July, and it's uh, it's 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 pretty warm in, in <laughs> Japan in the summer. Uh, yeah. It's 
even more warm than uh, upstate New York. Uh, so yeah, I'm here uh, talking to uh, the researchers here, and then there's a handful of um, uh, graduate students that are doing uh, work here. And yeah, it's we're having some good, good hallway and cubicle conversations about uh, the research they're doing. I bet that sounds great. And as the uh, the resident director of internet uh, analysis for Kentic, this is right up your alley. So uh, I'm really glad that we're all three here talking about this. Um, but uh, you, you mentioned the IIJ several times. Uh, Roman, what is the IIJ? So IIJ is a, is a Japanese internet service provider. And in fact, it was historically the first uh, commercial ISP in Japan. Um, so it's pretty old company in terms of the internet history. We celebrated the 30th anniversary last year. It has a, a long history. It's, it's very important, I think, in uh, Asia. It was one thing that people don't uh, usually know. It was uh, one of the first offices for Epinic. So when uh, Epinic started, at that time, there was RIPE already uh, running. And in Asia, they were thinking, OK, we have to uh, try that. So. Um, there was people, there was some, uh, there is a professor here called John Murai. He's known as the, the father of the internet in Japan or the uh, internet samurai. Um, and uh, they decided to do that pilot project, Epinic, uh, trying to replicate what uh, RIPE is doing in Europe and what was happening in other parts of the world. Um, at that time, I think IAG um, applied for uh, um, its license to be an ISP. Uh, there was some delay. Um, and at the same time, they hired um, John Conrad from uh, US. He was supposed to help uh, doing the work, but he was waiting for that license too. So uh, John Molay told him like, okay, you could uh, start up that pilot project. So there was, of course, a lot of people involved. It's not only IAJ, there was JPNIC, NTT, IAJ. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was doing most of the work. And um, yeah, so in the IAJ office, we, had, uh, we were hosting the, the very first um, years of APNIC. So also oh, really? for, for the internet in Japan, IAJ was the, was the first ISP. That's, is that correct? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's correct, yeah. So at the very beginning, yeah, there was IHA, then um, NTT, which is the uh, used to be the incumbent um, ISP here, um, was doing was operating only within Japan, only within the country, and KDDI was doing the international connectivity. So IHA was kind of the um, the free electron that was doing both of them, domestic <laughs> and international connectivity. Very good. And, uh, and your role primarily with the IAJ is in, is in research, is that right? Yes. So yeah. now I'm a deputy director at uh, IAJ Research. Um, my main job is to do research. We have, uh, what is interesting in IAJ Research is I think we have uh, both a foot in academia and mm -hmm. uh, industry. Mm, yeah. um, so we are very present at conferences. We are part of a lot of this uh, technical program committee for conferences. Uh, we've published a uh, few papers or so. And we try to work with, with IAJ and um, make research that is very uh, applicable. Um, we have about 20 people, I think, in the lab. We have a summer internship, so Doug is not here for that, but he's, he can see. Kind of. <laughs> he's sitting with our interns now. Um, uh, we have a postdoc program. We have we are we are very open uh, to academia. We have uh, a lot of different, um, not a lot, but we have like three or four different teams focusing on on different topics. So we have one that is a bit more doing um, system, and they have they are like uh, now trying to push code to uh, the Linux kernel, for example. Um, we have a group that works more on IXP, the Internet Exchange Points. Um, my group is working on uh, monitoring the Internet. And uh, we have uh, another part on what they call cloud morphing. So it's working more on the cloud too. IAJ, yeah, I haven't mentioned that, but IAJ is an ISP. Mm -hmm. 
But you know, when you have like such a large network, then you can provide a lot of different services. So I, uh, IAG is uh, providing internet connectivity, but also have a cloud division, security division. Mm -hmm. We are um, a mobile operator also. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of different uh, aspects. Yeah, it's a it's a big company. We're in the IAJ Tower, or you know, in the they've got a a big, a big building that, uh, that we're presently in. So okay, and and then the uh, the Internet Health Report. I read uh, all about that over the past few days, and then a lot today. Is that a work uh, of the IAJ that you you do, or is that something that you do separately? Yes. So I'm I'm leading that project. I would say mainly with uh, my colleague. Uh, Emila Ben at the RIPE NCC. Okay, I see. It's um, it's a research project sponsored by IAJ. Um, well, I should say up front, it's not a service that IAJ is providing. It's really like a proof of concept, and this is coming from the research lab. So it's it's very researchy. Mm -hmm. um, and the goal of the Internet Health Report is to. Uh, provide an observatory for the internet. So we try to have an understanding of how the, the whole internet works, uh, try to monitor this. We are designing tools so we can document the evolution of the internet, document some of the um, rapid events that might happen on the internet. One of the uh, singularities of this project is we are using only open data so there is a very big uh, internet measurement community. Sure, um, yeah. There is a lot of data that is available, like uh, BGP data, TraceRoute from RIPE Atlas, uh, KDA in US is providing a lot of data too. And we are trying to get as much as we can from this data. So there's a lot of data sitting out there, and we are designing tools so we can get as much insight as we can from uh, these data sets. But insight about what? I mean, you mentioned a couple of things specifically. Uh, you know, when you say internet measurement, getting an idea of the topology of the internet and what's going on as far as changes, the evolution. So I assume that means, in a in a shorter term, like what's happening over the course of days, weeks, months, and years. What? Why? First of all, and and is that correct? Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, it's correct. It's what we're looking at. Um, the well, one thing I give for the motivation is uh, let's step back and think a bit of what is the internet. You know, the, the okay. US government defined the internet as a critical infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And when you look at other critical infrastructure, you have the power grid, the, the water system, the hospitals, nuclear power plant, right. um, transport, like the air traffic. And one thing all these critical infrastructure have in common uh, is there is always a system to monitor it. Hmm. Usually in real time, you can think of those websites for air traffic where you see all those um, planes flying over. This is great, right? You can see like the entire um, commercial air traffic uh, going on. And as um, computer scientists working on the internet, we thought like, okay, hey, it would be cool to have this for the, the internet. Um, it's very important. It's, uh, the internet is, is now you know, the base for a lot of services. So we need to monitor it. We want to understand its strengths and weaknesses. If there is a problem in the network, we want to we wanna monitor this, if possible, in near real time. And we want to also report anywhere if there is a um, problem for resiliency or, or, or if there is like, any problem that can happen there. So it's not necessarily uh, like a purely security-focused initiative uh, or a purely performance-focused initiative. It's really the state of the Internet uh, as it stands today, at measuring it the way that you do, using the data that you do. So it's a little bit more of a holistic approach, it sounds like. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and there is like a lot of ISP, so we have also in IAG, um a lot of ISP have their own system. They can monitor their own network. Mm -hmm see how the traffic goes. Well, that's one thing that can take also offer. Like you can see your network and, and see your traffic. But the, uh, the approach we take is a bit different because on the internet, the internet is this, we usually say it's a network of networks. Sure, yeah. And what it means is all the networks that are connected to the internet 
they usually have to rely on other networks to have a, a global connectivity. So if I'm in IIJ, I send a message to someone in US in, I don't know, Comcast. My message might, if IIJ and Comcast are not directly connected, it might go through uh, another provider. And um, that means our connectivity depends on that uh, third-party provider. So mm -hmm. we, we have one project in the Internet Health Report where we try to measure those uh, dependencies. And this is, I think, a very uh, important aspect that goes across ISPs. You, you need that holistic view for that. Right, right. And the Internet being a network of networks, we are talking about external connectivity and uh, the Internet backbone and intermediate connectivity and, and transit providers and that sort of thing. So ultimately, uh, you know, even a very large global enterprise is sitting behind all of that kind of as end nodes on this intermediate and external system. So one of the things that you mentioned, uh, well, you know, before I already know the answer to this because I heard you, I read it in something you wrote, but I'm going to I'm going to ask anyway. What, what is the um, motivation specifically behind the Internet Health Report? Is there something lacking or is there something deficient with the data that's out there? I'm familiar with what APNIC does and, and RIPE and, and organizations like that. What gap are you filling in? The gap we are filling in with, okay, let's take RIPE as an example. RIPE is great because they provide a lot of data. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a project called RIS, where they provide tons of BGP data, another project called Atlas, where they provide tons of traceroute data. Um, and this is for us, it's gold, you know, like data is gold. Like there's, there's a lot of information in that data, but they don't provide a lot of um, analysis on top of that. So what we are trying to do really is uh, as... Um, you know, sometimes I see myself as a data analyst. So mm, I, I just yeah. take that data, try to squeeze it as much as I can and uh, get some new insight about it. Um, the difficulty for us is it's a lot of data. Mm -hmm. So this is just like a technical uh, challenge. Like how do you analyze like that much data in, uh, especially if you want to do it in uh, near real time. And it's, a, it's also very noisy data. Uh, mm. For anyone that's used to work with trace route, latency, even BGP, most of the data you receive is the the, and the part that is not really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of filtering to do. Um, there is a lot of uh, expert knowledge also that is required. Like you have to know exactly how those tool works to understand uh, what is noise and what is a strong signal out of this. Uh, right. Are you able to discern that programmatically, or is that a, a largely manual approach with a team of data scientists? Well, that's where I think Doug shines, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doug is really good at that. And, and our approach is try to automate that. So we are trying to make um, a bold version of Doug, if you want. <laughs> Somehow. Good luck. Good yeah, luck with that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, might, I might interject too, just sure. to uh, add that um, I, I think for people who, do, who aren't practitioners in this space may not appreciate that it's a big enough space and there's a lot of questions. As Roman was talking about the data, but um, uh, different, different groups uh, take different approaches. And so there's some uniqueness to the yeah. approach that the Internet Health uh, Report takes that makes it different. And so every time you take a different angle, you have the potential for discovering something in a way that couldn't have been discovered uh, through an existing uh, approach. So they've got, you know, like the um, AS he uh, hegemony, if uh, you want to talk about that, there's mm -hmm. like a couple of things that are very unique uh, here uh, that uh, are good at answering certain types of questions that we don't have another tool. So, and there's, and there's room for other aspiring internet measurement practitioners out there, uh, for other approaches. Uh, there's probably, uh, 10 more that someone could be, uh, inventing. It's just, um, there, there are a lot of questions to be answered. Hence your summer internship, right, Doug? That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And one, one, one thing I want to stress on that is the, uh, the internet health report is completely open source. So our code is all on GitHub. We are we're welcoming anyone. So just like write, provide data to anyone. Um, we have now this platform that ingests all those big data sets. And if, if someone wants to write a tool on this and make it mm -hmm. run on our platform, that's also possible. 
Uh, we are part of the uh, Google Summer of Code. We get some students that also uh, work on the project like that. We have interns. Mm -hmm. We are very, very open, yeah. So it's not a matter of a deficiency in one of these other organizations that we've been discussing. It's more a matter of using their data as the foundation for your data analysis to find, like you said, the, the insight, what's really going on, which does beg the question, what is going on? I thought that the internet never converged and we're talking about ephemeral you know, networks that pop on the internet and then disappear and things and routes and prefixes that are pulled and pushed. Is it, is it very difficult then when you're talking about a, a, a dynamic and not a static data set? It's all in the cloud. It's all the, okay. Just, uh, yeah. just draw a cloud on the whiteboard. That's it. There we go. It's a hard. Yeah, it's it's hard to analyze this uh, data. So again, like to go back to the parallel I did with the um, the critical infrastructure. One big difference with um, air traffic or the power grid is the internet as two components, like there's the physical component. We can see, like, we know where these submarine cables are. We know um, some operators going to show, like, some of their fiber network. There is, like, a physical infrastructure. But the internet, the IP infrastructure is on top of that. And it's more like a cyberspace where it's very hard to go from one to another. It's not... Um, the, the physical is more or less, it's developing, but it's, it's static, you know, it's slowly um, developing. In IP, you can have large uh, reroutes, so you can see a lot of paths that goes in one direction, one minute later it's going in the other direction, like everything changed like very quickly. You don't see this in air traffic, like you don't see like suddenly your plane just... I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, we like stability in most, in most arenas, I think. Yeah, and, and sometimes when we are interested in, uh, so one, another thing that Doug is doing a lot, when we're interested in uh, geopolitical events, then we have to match um, uh, an event that happened um, in a country, and we have to find IP resources. Like the, the mapping between uh, the, again, the, phys the, the physical infrastructure and the cyberspace in the internet is uh, not an easy task. That's one thing. Um, the other thing is we are looking at an object, the internet, that is evolving, it's growing all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of graph online. You can see like uh, maybe Jeff Houston has, has like graph where you see uh, the number of SN is always increasing. Mm -hmm. So the, that network is always growing, growing, growing. Um, but when you do outage detection or anomaly detection, it's hard to have a reference to say like, okay, that's my picture of the internet. How different is it uh, right now? And detect those anomalies. It's, it's hard because that thing is, is changing anyway. Yeah, another another uh, angle to the, I think it's evolved uh, over the last, the decades of the internet, which really hasn't been around that long uh, uh, as a core technology of, human society today but it's just the um the change from the 90s of you know if you are either a uh like a we, in the industry we call it like a eyeball network or an access network how do you connect to the internet uh that like you're in the u.s like comcast spectrum that kind of thing um and then on the other end is where the content is and so to get to like what web page you're you're trying to visit okay so now you need some sort of a, a transit provider to connect you from the access layer to the content and then the evolution that's, that's happened over the, the decades is that uh, the content providers are directly connecting, if not embedded in the access networks. Right. And so there's been this evolution of like, all right, what the heck's the point of transit anymore? Because I get all my content uh, directly, uh, you know, uh, Netflix and Comcast peer directly. So why, uh, why do we need the Internet anymore? And, and if you were to count uh, packets or bits per second or something, you would find that most of, it, most of the traffic is satisfied by either local cache or content peering and a, only a small portion ends up going out transit. And so that would make the argument of, well, is, 
who cares? Uh, and the truth is you do care. We still, even despite all those developments, you still need to know uh, the, the internet is still needs to remain connected and uh, problems with the internet will still affect you even if it's not the majority of the, of the packets being sent. Your DNS query still got to traverse the internet. There's a handful of things that you still are gonna always remain, uh, have important um, dependencies on. And so uh, that's why I kind of um, like to like to push back on sometimes uh, this. The, it goes along with the death of transit uh, kind of um, discussion, where like why why have all this BGP uh, analysis at all if, uh, if everybody's just watching Netflix and Comcast directly connected? Uh, so you, that doesn't require a lot of um, internet analysis to make that um, ensure that's working. But uh, there's. The, the whole the whole thing still relies on uh, this global uh, global network. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how we get to the cloud that you talked about. That we drew on the whiteboard. We connect sure. to the cloud. Now, I do think it's important to mention for our audience who are not necessarily in a service provider space that there is a difference between the access network in the enterprise and then the access network in the provider world. The access network could be a you know thirty thousand person organization, and they have due to you know uh, active standby BGP. Uh, a, a connection peering to the to the internet, and they as a whole are connecting via that they're they're accessing the network through that peering relationship. Whereas on the enterprise, you have that three tier design, the access layers where end users plug into the network, which interestingly is logically the same thing if you think about it from a logical perspective. Obviously, from a scale, We're kind of similar, We're kind of similar. It yeah. is right. You know, it's how you connect into the rest of the infrastructure, and then. You know, we have an enterprise backbone sometimes from data center A to data center B and C. So in, in the enterprise example you're bringing up, uh, I would argue, uh, again, going way back to managing networks in the military, uh, you know, most of the traffic is local there too, right? Like most, uh, you have local services and you're, so that's your, that's the equivalent of the, net, the Netflix. Uh, hopefully people aren't watching Netflix on the, net, on the enterprise yeah. network, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you, you're setting up local services that they, so you don't have to, uh, you don't have to rely on your, your uh, link out, your, your transit link out, um, hopefully you've, uh, for as much as you possibly can, you'd like it to have some sort of a um, deck or director local connection. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think that's more for the administrative management component uh, and, and less for accessing services. Because I, in my experience in the, in the enterprise, uh, a significant amount of traffic is now going up and out not branch to branch. Okay. You're not putting services at your local branch. There's no IDF down the hall with, you know, DNS servers. And I'm, the only thing in my local branch might be a print server, since that's the a pain in the neck to do, spool up somewhere else across the ocean. So much of the traffic, even if it's owned by the organization, is somewhere else. Um, and I think, or not traffic, some of the, the services uh, that we that we want are somewhere else. And I think that's very common in, in even small enterprise now. Hence, the discussion around cloud connectivity, multi-cloud, hybrid, hybrid cloud, and all of those things. And I also think it's important to make a distinction between interior gateway routing and BGP, exterior gateway. They, they are different. Um, uh, BGP not being the same type of deterministic routing uh, that you have with like an OSPF. Uh, where you're not necessarily looking at path selection, but you're advertising prefixes. Reachability and paths, these are all different things when you compare an IGP versus a, a, a BGP, specifically eBGP, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, it, 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 it does, in this conversation, mean that we, we really are focusing on global routing and, and how we reach things over the Internet between providers and among providers, transit providers. But that does presuppose that there is a limited number of pathways, right? So you mentioned one minute all my traffic is going one way and another minute all my traffic is going another way. But very often um, I'm limited in the number of pathways simply because of where I am geographically in the world. So that's something that I think is probably uh, considering that what we do on the internet is both you know, the mundane stuff, our productivity tools in Office 365, and also the mission critical things like a hospital accessing its EMR online, right? Um, those are the things that you, that you measure. So I, I have a list of several of the things that you, you, you talked about uh, in one of your, your uh, articles, um, things that you measure. But you mentioned the first one, network dependency, several times. And then Doug mentioned AS hegemony. That's a difficult yeah. one. A couple of times. <laughs> are, those, are those the same thing? Are those synonymous? Those are the same thing, yeah. yeah. They are. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure because I, I saw how you were using them in your writing, and I'm like, I, I don't get it. So can you explain that a little bit? What is network dependency? 
Yeah, sure. Um, well, first, they are the same thing. Yeah. When we wrote the research paper, we thought like, oh, we need a, a fancy name that people <laughs> can remember. And we call this AS Hegemony. Um, and then when we put it on our websites, because we have this, uh, in the Internet Health Report as a main website where we show our results. Uh, well, if you are not uh, techie, then you didn't get really... I mean, if you didn't read the research paper, you couldn't really get what the AS hegemony is. So then we call it like network dependency, which is a bit more intuitive. Yeah. And this is looking at BGP data. We are looking at all the paths we see in BGP data. And we're going to find um, what are the main dependencies from one network to another. So the, the example I always give, and maybe if you listen to that podcast, I, I probably gave it there, it's the University of Tokyo. Uh, mm -hmm. So the University of Tokyo has its own um, AS, which is connected to um, the educational network here in Japan, which is called Sinet. And um, Sinet's uh, main upstream provider is IAJ. Um, and if you look at the result on the Internet Health Report, you're going to see that uh, we measure that the University of Tokyo depends 100% on uh, Sinet and almost 100% on IAJ. Even though University of Tokyo is not directly connected to IAJ, this is this um, transitive property. Because Sinet depends on IAJ, uh, and the University of Tokyo depend on Sinet, we can see that. Mm. Um, and that's an information that network operator could use for uh, new deployment, for example. If they want to diversify their connectivity, uh, well, it's a bit sad to say, but connecting to IAJ won't reduce their dependency to, uh, to us, IAJ. So yeah, they could like try it with uh, another provider. I think, I think actually the, the, the insight that's useful is that uh, or at least I find with this is uh, uh, sometimes you you can see that there's you know a, a stub AS uh, is you know singly home behind somebody. Well, clearly they're dependent. Like that one's not a that right. doesn't take a, a, a sophisticated service to figure that out. But uh, but sometimes that dependency can be a couple of hops away and still exists, and that becomes harder to uh, at a glance uh, figure out. And that's something that's getting boiled sure. up in yeah. uh, in in this uh, in this service so then you can see um, yeah you, you pick out these yeah. these dependencies that are not uh, immediately adjacent and then um, then there's insight that you probably wouldn't uh, so one of one of these example will be um, a network in Iran even though it might be connected to a lot of other networks uh, to go out from the country you're gonna see that they, they have like a single uh, AS to, to go outside of the country. So this is going to show up as a dependency also, even though they are not uh, connected to that. So it might not be obvious if you don't have uh, this kind of tools. Um, yeah, this is really useful. And I think the good thing with that tool is, well, there is other tools that look at BGP, like I'm thinking of IOTA at mm -hmm. uh, Georgia Tech. This is a great tool. Um, but what they're looking at is mainly if the prefix are on or off. Mm. Is the prefix reachable or not? If it becomes un unreachable, then for them that's a signal. They're going to just um, report that. And we have, I think, an extra information is how the paths are changing. The prefix, mm. the prefix may still be reachable, but we see like there is a lot of rerouting mm. um, that could be due to... Uh, BGP leak or some hijack, like there could be a lot of different reasons or an outage actually, there's a big outage and you see like all these networks that try to reroute around it. Um, we can see that. Um, and since we've uh, put that data out there, there, was, there is a lot of uh, other research group that uh, picked this. So there's a group in MIT that made a BGP leak detector of this. Uh, we had some research on classifying BGP hijack using this. The Internet Society have a, a platform that they mm -hmm. use to measure uh, resiliency. They have an Internet Resilience Index. Um, it takes a lot of different data sets into account, but AS Germany or network yeah. dependency, however you call it, um, is, is taken into account there also. It's a very basic metric, but we found it very useful there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And it, it is something that you see on, on the enterprise side as well. Um, when you're looking at, uh, let's, if you have four or five data centers and you're configuring and, and designing your data center interconnects, you're designing your multi-home environments, your large campuses. Um, I've done work with large universities, with global pharmaceutical companies, and we look at who's our last mile provider, who are we peering with, what is the upstream provider from there, because we are mapping out. You know, you don't, you don't have your data centers go offline because of an upstream provider. So it's not the same as... Uh, the global scale as you're talking about. But I think the idea is the same, that you need some sort of visibility into what's going on on a broader scale outside my little sphere so I can prevent, so I can prevent being down, I can prevent outages um, and avoid them at least, not prevent them necessarily. Yeah. So uh, what else are you measuring? We've discussed network dependency, which to me, honestly, coming from a networking background is, is very logical. That's something that I, I understand right away. But what else are you, are you measuring? Are you looking at any sort of performance metrics? Yes, we have those performance. Um, so we are also looking at, um, I mentioned before, trace route. We are taking trace route data and looking at the latency inside a trace route. Um, so RIPE at last have... 10, 12,000 um, monitors deployed on the internet. Those, so they are called Atlas probes. Okay. Um, those probes are doing trace route to a lot of different destinations on the internet. We collect this data. Well, RIPE collect this data and we analyze it. Um, and yeah, I, want, I didn't want to, um, to say that RIPE is, is uh, not doing great like before. Like they are doing a lot of work. It's a lot of work just to collect yeah. all this data and archive all this data. That's a lot of work. And yeah, we are just going clear. to build on top of that. We, so we take uh, a lot of this stress route and keep track of uh, the delay from point A to B. And A and B could be uh, two ASCs in the network. When we can, we try to map those to like cities, or if we see IXPs on it, we're going to uh, try to monitor this. And we um, put all these results in a database so we can query our database and ask, okay, what was the delay from um, IAJ to the Amsterdam uh, Internet Exchange? And we, we have this time series that can show us this. So uh, I have a question. So then, so the right Atlas probes, like someone has to has, have set up a, a test like you're not guaranteed that any probe has m measured from anywhere at any time uh, unless someone has set something up uh, so is it do you are you able to just query the whole corpus and say hey did anybody happen to have a, a measurement between here and here and so the way we work again because this data is very noisy the way we work is we try to have a stable signal out of that and you're right. Like there is two way that there is two type of measurement uh, Atlas probes are doing. One is called built-in. So once you plug the, the network the probe to the network, it's gonna just start doing trace route to the DNS root servers to some servers uh, managed by RIPE. There is trace route to the DNS uh, public DNS resolver. Uh, Google Public DNS Resolver. They love that. Um, yeah, there's like there is so there's those built-in that are for us easier to analyze because that's a very stable signal. We have like a trace route. We know that every I think it's every 15 minutes we're gonna have a trace route from one of these probe to any of the DNS root server. And then there is what I think RIPE called super user. Um, so there is some user that have special right that can run measurement on yeah. all the probes. Okay. So those are, are usually the RIPE NCC uh, staff. Yeah, like Emil. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they can run like very big, uh, wide measurements that gonna last forever or whenever the user gonna stop it. That's also a good signal for us. And then the last one is the usual user that just gonna run a measurement for a day, a week, just to from a few source to a few destination. And this is for us, this is very, very hard to use because suddenly you're like, oh, I have thousand props to a server in IIJ. And it's like, yeah, what, what do I compare this with? Like, well, is it normal, is it not normal? I don't know. And then it yeah. dis disappears. So um, we, we have a way to, to filter. We have uh, what I call the long measurement, Atlas long measurement. 
uh, I have a list of those measurements and, and I, I take only these data. It's still a lot of data. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at passive information, meaning you're uh, doing like classic observability where you're looking at what actual traffic is, is doing, what the system, in this case, the entire internet, uh, the, the health of the system, the status of the system, based on what's actually happening. And then you record that over time, so both real time and historically. But you're also using this artificial traffic, um, these, these probes, in order to generate whatever kind of testing uh, information you want, and you dump that on the network. So you're using both of this active and passive form. Um, but it does sound like you're focused very much on network-centric latency. Um, even though there are probes that you can configure to do whatever you want and send out false GET requests and things like that, it's, it's network-centric, is that right? Yeah, it's, it's completely right, yeah. And, and we do, so the, the advantage of using trust routes as opposed to the, the BGP um, is, for example, in the case of um, submarine cable cut, we have this, this uh, example where we show like there was a submarine that was um, cut between Singapore and Australia. And we can see that the latency is, is going up because the traffic is rerouted through a, a different path and going through a different cable. We can see this in trust route. It's very clear, but in BGP it might not appear because if that rerouting happened inside one AS, then the, um, the routing is exactly the same for BGP. Uh, so those are, are complementary to uh, look at those. Yeah, there's no latency in BGP. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And, and then you get like the, uh, we used to call it city provider pairs of just like, uh, you know, what's the, what's the path of the, you know, in BGP, NAS is an abstraction of, you know, a company and you've just, and if you want any more detail, you're not going to get it out of, uh, BGP and so things like trace route help uh, mm -hmm. illuminate what are that what's the precise city provider pair path uh, of uh, you know going from one place to another and then what's the observed uh, round trip time for latency. Yeah, I mean, in effect, you are measuring other things other than you're you're measuring other routing, uh, not necessarily BGP because BGP isn't that reachability matrix. It's going to be the underlying it, probably MPLS, right? Whatever they're doing, uh, ISIS, and a lot of providers, they're going to use some other mechanism to actually fo make forwarding decisions under the hood. So you're measuring other routing protocols in that sense, um, but but that's beyond dependency and delay you're talking about actual like activity on a link making decisions on forwarding and then what why did we go or not necessarily why but we did go this way and here's what the ramifications are on the entire internet right so um, one of the things i read about was link monitoring is that what that means or did i just define it completely incorrectly and no, no, it is yeah so we, this link monitoring we're doing is um exactly that looking at the internal routing this code is actually not currently running. Uh, we are in process of um, um, rewriting uh, most of this code. One, one thing I've learned um, for the internet test uh, report is writing a research paper and having a piece of code for a research paper is very different from having <laughs> a, a service you run, you know, in real time, like all the time that has to ingest uh, billions of tress routes. Uh, it's very different. Um, and uh, so we are in the process of uh, making that code run again. Uh, the code was uh, not very clean. <laughs> yeah. I wrote it, so I can say that. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, this link monitoring is to look at rerouting inside an AS and the congestion we see inside an AS or so. We had some good example uh, on that when uh, there was some game update from Steam. Um, there was some IXP that reported like uh, a peak, like more traffic at uh, IXPs, and we could see congestion in some of the tier ones uh, okay. that actually also providing uh, a lot of this. Um, yeah, this is really tricky to see uh, from TrustRad. You have to look at the right place. So that's why we make this. Um, this, I mean, that's the whole point of the Internet Test Report, right? Show, right. Showing those places where it happened because there is uh, millions of IP to monitor. So that our system going to just try to automatically find, look, the delay between those two IPs used to be like very stable, but today it's like twice higher. That's the, the link monitoring part here. Yeah. So then what, uh, what tools... 
mechanisms, uh, workflows, whatever, are you using in order to ingest, analyze, and then uh, find insight in the data? You mentioned Jeff Houston a couple times. I'm familiar with what he does. You talked about, oh, then this network appears on the graph. So I assume that you're using some sort of graph, me graph methodology and looking at nodes on a graph and interdependencies. That seems to make sense to me, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we have... Um well, some mathematical modeling of the of the data. Um, so I talk about the data we ingest. We have. I'm a big fan of Kafka. We have like this Kafka cluster where we can put all this data. It's just streamed there, and we have a lot of script that just plug to this Kafka cluster, read that data, doing like very one simple task, and just return result. I would say we are pretty good at doing those scripts that analyze the data. And then um, once we have a result, we put this in a database. We try to show this on our website, but we are not as good for the front-end uh, design. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah. that's one thing we are trying to uh, improve this year, mm -hmm. um, trying to make it a bit more intuitive, a bit more accessible for the global audience, because we have a lot of people now that talk to us and say like, oh, can you see this in this country? Can you see that? Yeah. We have the, the network dependency, we do that dependency per network, but we also do it per country. And mm -hmm. people are really interested in, in that, like seeing that, oh, that country, like uh, we had a good example recently with Italy. We measure that Italy relies too much on Telecom Italia. And recently there was, an, uh, last February, there was an outage of Telecom Italia, the, the, the big transit, the big tier one network. And that completely disrupted the internet in Italy. So we could we could monitor that in advance. We were like, yeah, there's quite a few countries in that case. So if you're operating at that level and you, you actually use the term geopolitical earlier, are you involved with the analysis of any kind of geopolitical events as they occur on the internet? Uh, obviously from an analysis perspective, because you see it, but as far as being involved in, a, in the sense of uh, uh, presenting an analysis of what's going on, on maybe working with uh, organizations to figure out what's going on when there's a government making explicit decisions to withdraw prefixes or whatever else is going on. Well, I think like this is just starting now, yeah. We are, yeah. because now we've built our tool, we made uh, proof that it makes sense, useful, and now we are try we are starting to discuss with. I mentioned the Internet Society before, yeah. which are doing a lot of this this work too. Um, I'm discussing with them. I was a Manners ambassador last year, uh, so this is more on the routing security. But now we discuss also about uh, internet uh, resilience and uh, how can we yeah improve this and mm -hmm. measure this better. We discuss also with Google, so trying to see BGP is tricky because it gives a, a very nice view of the whole internet but it's only the paths that are active mm -hmm. you don't really know like if if one of the link goes down you don't really know like it, if there's a backup or not and uh, we are also this is kind of like a research project uh, to do we've looked at uh, also the, the war in Ukraine is a, a, a topic in internet measurement as well mm -hmm. as it yeah. continues and then uh, you know each uh, of the different parties, uh, us with Kentic and uh, Roman with his uh, certain uh, tools and others. We I think we all uh, try to um, look at you know, the developments there. And then uh, there's also a lot of back channel uh, discussion among uh, the folks that do this to try to um, uh, support each other and um, make sure we're reporting something accurate uh, and, and useful. Um, but um, it, I think that is gonna that'll be a topic uh, that we're we're all focused on for a while. Yeah, yeah. and Emila, yeah. my, my colleague is, is doing a lot of this work, also like trying to to look into the result and, and see. Uh, so he did some presentation about uh, Ukraine. And one thing I want to mention, so it's really nice that um, we are different group around the world. We have our own tool, and we can you know cross check our results. Because there is always a lot of limitation in those two in those data sets, uh, so it's nice that we can uh, uh, see like well, I can see like what Doug is, is seeing. Uh, I can check in my result, and that give us a good uh, confidence on what we're seeing. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. So then, what is the uh, what is the future of the Internet Health Report and your work and what you're focused on? Well, um, there's a lot of things coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's a broad um, question, true. Yeah, the, um, 
The first thing I like to do is to make it a bit more usable and a bit more reliable. So as I said at the beginning, it's more like a proof of concept. I see that uh, there is quite a few people that are now using it. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to um, make this a bit more usable. The other big project that is coming is called the Internet Yellow Pages, where we build, um, it's called a knowledge graph or knowledge database of internet resources. I'm very, very excited about this. It's a big database where we put everything we know about IP addresses, prefixes, ASNs. We put all of that and then we can query the database and ask, yeah, please tell me um, what are the most popular websites um, who is hosting it, with which prefixes and which one are on RPK or not, for example. So you can see like right. which one have mm-hmm. used the best practice. And we can ask like a lot of very um, involved questions. And uh, I'm very, very excited about this. We're gonna, we have a database that is now uh, working. We're gonna integrate this with the Internet Health Report too. So that'll give us a lot of insights also about um, specific resources. So if you want to look at a specific IP or specific domain name, specific prefix, then we just give like, oh, that's all the information we know about. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It's so interesting. The more data that you have, the more ability you have to find answers to sometimes very abstract questions, like you said. And uh, yeah, just scratching the surface. I'm looking forward to it as well. It's really interesting. And uh, and here we are, uh, oceans apart coming together through the commonality of BGP. BGP is what <laughs> brought us together across vast distances and, uh, and backgrounds. So, Roman, Making this call possible. Yeah, and making this call possible as well. So, Roman, thank you kindly for joining today. Uh, this has been very interesting, really has. And uh, I will uh, put links to a lot of the resources that you mentioned in our show notes for folks to, to look at. Uh, but as we close out, uh, if anyone has a question or comment, which I, I guess that somebody will have a question or comment, uh, how can they reach out to you online? Well, they can. I'm on Twitter or they can send me an email at uh, romain at iig.id.jp. Great. And Doug, good to see you again. Um, how can folks reach out to you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. I haven't uh, adopted any new uh, social media just yet waiting to see uh, how that shakes out. But uh, Twitter and LinkedIn are probably the ways to reach me. You got it. Okay. And you can still find me on Twitter at network underscore Phil. You can search my name in LinkedIn, find my blog, networkphil.com. Now, if you are uh, interested in joining the podcast as a guest, uh, or if you have an idea for a show, I'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us at telemetrynow at kentic.com. So until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.